Welcome. The name of this blog is Payback Time. What the GOP could, should, do if and when they take back Congress. I'm Mike Boyd. When the Democrats formed their January 6th commission, Speaker Nancy Pelosi asked for the Republicans to give her a list of potential uh, committee members. Minority leader Kevin McCarthy included, among others, Jim Jordan and Jim Banks. They were staunch supporters of former President Trump, and that was enough for Pelosi to deny them a spot on the committee. Well, that had rarely, if ever, been done in the history of Congress. McCarthy called Pelosi's move an egregious abuse of power and will irreparably damage this institution. And with that, the wish list began. Within days of Pelosi's slight, McCarthy fired off four names of the Democratic caucus who he'd consider pulling from any committee assignments if the GOP takes the House. Among the names, Ilhan Omar, part of the Jihad Squad, incoherent babbler Maxine Waters, serial leaker Adam Schiff, and Fang Fang's best friend, Eric Swalwell. Since 90% of the attendance of Congress revolves around committee meetings, those four might likely have one of the highest paid part-time jobs in the country. The reason uh, McCarthy is so confident if current history and public sentiment is predictive of how things go in November, a takeover of the House is looking pretty good. Not only does the out-of-power party usually pick up 26 seats in a midterm election, but due to Biden's abysmal performance and corresponding polling numbers, the Republicans are feeling even more confident. If a president is under 50% in the polls on the day of the midterm election, history says the party in power will lose 37 seats. So what can we expect if history plays out? For the Republicans, yanking committee assignments is likely just the start. Assuming the Republicans are able to run out the clock on the January 6th commission, look for it to dissolve on election day. In addition, Expect the entire management structure of the Capitol law enforcement and investigative team to get canned. The GOP Congress resented dozens of measures enacted that basically just targeted them. Florida Senator Rick Scott said he had evidence that Capitol Police spied on him and his offices. Heavily enforced mask mandates and ubiquitous metal detectors were just a few of the grievances the GOP will air if it gets its majority in November. And then there is the potential for a thermonuclear bomb. Neither the U.S. Constitution or House rules make mention of the Speaker having to be an elected representative. The Speaker can basically be anyone as long as he or she gets the most votes in their caucus. That could mean that former President Trump, twice impeached by a Democratic House, could be appointed House Speaker. While there is little to believe that today that McCarthy would not get the required votes, you never know. If by some stretch Trump is appointed speaker, he'd be just two people away from the presidency. And considering the health of one of them, Biden, and the outlandishly amateurish behavior of the other one, Harris, it's not so far-fetched. And turnabout is fair play. Jim Jordan says that Biden has already committed an impeachable offense. According to Jordan, Biden's deliberate and intentional facilitation of illegal immigration is grounds. 
Over 2 million border crossers have come into the country without being sent back since Biden has taken office. Since Jordan is the current ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, he could start the ball rolling as committee chair after the election. And depending on how it goes, expect at least one senator uh, to be receptive to vote for removal. According to Ted Cruz, Democrats weaponized impeachment, he said, referring to House Democrats twice voting to impeach former President Donald Trump. They used it for partisan purposes, says uh, Cruz, to go after Trump because they disagreed with him. And one of the real disadvantages of doing that is you more than weaponize it and turn it into a partisan cudgel. You know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Of course, there would be a number of legislative measures tried, such as restarting U.S. energy production, pursuing culture war initiatives in public schools, such as CRT and transgenders in sports, and reining in social media and getting tough on crime. While they would likely win in the newly configured House and maybe even a Republican majority Senate, all of these measures risk the veto pen of Biden. The midterm general election is less than eight months away, and at least one group of Americans is confident in a Republican House and Senate sweep. Betters. The probability of the GOP taking over the House is 85%, and the Senate, 78%, and of Donald Trump becoming Speaker, 6%. And in more news, while Biden has spent much of last week denying that inflation is his fault, only the state media and his fringe supporters are buying it. As much as Biden tries to claim it's not his fault, inflation is on him. And for us consumers, it affects us in a number of ways. Higher prices is the obvious one. It's a tax. Another is when companies reduce the size of their products to cut costs but still charge the same. Shrinking product sizes plus inflation equals shrinkflation. Companies who downside, downsize their product packaging while charging the same price hope consumers won't be able to tell the difference. Here are some examples. Wheat Thins now have 24 fewer crackers for the same price. Bounty Towels, 18 fewer sheets. Crest Toothpaste went from 4.1 ounces to 3.8. A 9.75 ounce bag of Doritos went to 9.25 ounces and that means five fewer chips. And Gatorade charges the same for their 28-ounce bottle than they did for a 32-ounce bottle last month. So the next time you think you're getting something less from your favorite product, just remember and think of that, that sticker of Biden pointing to it saying, I did that. That's it for this week. Look forward to talking to you all next week. So long.